Inside the Adventure, episode number 86, with Chris Korbelik. If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and today we're going to hear the story of Chris Korbelik, one of the world's leading expedition whitewater kayakers with first descents and incredibly grueling expeditions that have taken him all over the world. His philosophy of life is to appreciate what you have, enjoy the day for what it is, and say yes to new experiences. Growing up in the Rogue River in Oregon, Chris has had an extremely early start, an introduction to the river lifestyle as some of his earliest memories where the wilderness, culture, and excitement stuck with him for the rest of his life. His parents and their friends inspired and taught him to enjoy and appreciate wilderness, especially on the river. And years down the road, or river, he's still following the water and enjoying it more than ever. This is the story of how Chris got started and how he became one of the best expedition whitewater kayakers in the world. For me, you know, I, I grew up in Southern Oregon, close to the Rogue River, in a town actually called Rogue River. Um, and the move onto the river was pretty natural for me because I spent my summers with my family rafting and fishing and drift boating and with all of their friends on the river. Um, and you know, I took, I took my first wilderness rafting trip before I could walk. And I think, you know, my, my mom probably did that same wilderness river trip when she was pregnant with me. And then when I was less than a year old, and then when I was a year old and, you know, multiple times over the summers and, um, you know, so I really had very natural roots on, on the river. (laughs) You know, I literally took some of my first steps on and off of a raft and probably some of my first swims, you know, jump, jumping off of a raft into a warm eddy, you know, on a sandy beach along the river. So that was, you know, that was a pretty natural, natural thing. And I think that my, a lot of people probably thought my parents were kind of crazy for, for bringing a, you know, one-year-old and then a toddler and then you know, a five-year-old on, on these wilderness river trips. But, you know, it was just, it's just what worked for them and it's what worked for me and I seemed to like it. You know, I don't actually really remember any of that stuff specifically, but, you know, I certainly was pretty happy doing it. It must have had an um, impact on you for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think obviously it had, had, a, had a deep impact on me. Um, you know, was so rafting a, I, a big part of, their life, uh, and what they enjoyed to do. Yeah, it, it really was. They moved out to Oregon from the East coast, um, and from the Midwest. My mom was from North Dakota. My dad was from New Jersey. They moved to Oregon. Yeah. To be close to rivers, to have some property, um, to just kind of live a different life in the you know sixties and seventies. So 
they they started rafting when they came out west and you know they developed their whole group of friends in Oregon on the river so all of their activities and all of their um you know all their their whole friend group was was based on rafting and fishing and you know hiking along these beautiful rivers in southern Oregon and eventually kayaking. You know, my dad took up kayaking with one of his neighbors. They they were making um, hollow form boats, you know, out of a mold that my dad's neighbor had made. So, you know, some of his first kayaking experiences were were in a boat that he had built, and um, you know, so it it all. And I think it all pretty naturally came to came to me being on the river. Yeah, for sure. What were some of the the and this might be a hard question, but what were some of the earliest memories that you have of being on the river? Uh, it seems like there were a lot of them, but are there any that really stood out to you that you know it's it's hard to remember back to such a young age, but um any trips or particular memories uh from that time period that that um really stuck with you? Yeah, definitely. There, there aren't very many. You're totally right. <laughs> and I always, when I always remember anything from from my proper youth, you know, I always think that it happened when I was eight. Uh, so it could have happened at any time before or after that. But um, you know, I do remember sitting. You know, most of the things that I remember, sorry, are are from being with their friends being with this group of people who are on the river who loved being there. And I don't really remember much about, you know, the action of being on the raft and in the whitewater, you know, it was, it was really all about these people who, who I was with and um, who, who my parents were with and who I was brought along with. Um, And, you know, I remember these moments of just great care. You know, one in particular was, um, you know, going through a rapid and one of my, and my mom was rowing, my dad was kayaking. Um, my mom's friend was sitting in the front of the raft with me and, you know, something was happening in the rapid. It got a little bit bigger than, than they were expecting. And, my mom's friend who didn't have any kids um, just grabbed me and, uh, you know, held me into the raft. It was, you know, it wasn't a huge rapid, but certainly there was probably some risk of, of me falling out. And, you know, she just grabbed me and, and held me in. And, you know, maybe it doesn't seem like very much, but at the time it did seem like, um, a great show of, of care and, um, and compassion for, for someone who's not in your family. And, um, you know, then other, other than an example like that, one of the biggest things I remember is being at camps with all these people and hearing all these stories and just thinking, all these people were just adventure heroes you know they probably you know they they definitely had normal jobs they had careers 
they didn't live a life on the river. You know, this wasn't their, their main thing. They weren't, um, or a couple of them were actually river guides, but most of them weren't. And, but to me, they were just such heroes. Like they were talking about all these other rivers and all these other adventures and crazy things that had happened. And, you know, some of them had been to Chile and they had been on the Bio Bio River and some had been to the Zambezi and the Nile. And, um, you know, some of them had gone to China. Like they were just talking about all this stuff that was so foreign and wild to me. And I just thought, like, wow, what is the, like, what is the world? <laughs> like, I don't even know what it is. And, of course, at that time, I didn't really have the ability to comprehend what any of that stuff really meant or, or how big the world is or, or how small it is, I guess. Um, but that is, that's one of my favorite memories of you know being with this group of people who i just thought of you know had the had the wildest idea that they were such adventure heroes for sure yeah you know people that give you a sense for how big the world really is and uh you know when you're such when you're at such a young age oftentimes it's just really hard to comprehend that but do you think that made an effect on you in terms of just your appreciation for travel from a young age you might not have known it back then but kind of looking back on on who you were around at that time and just how that influenced you and your passion for travel that eventually would come out? I think undoubtedly, you know, there's, it, you know, it's impossible to say for sure one way or the other, but, you know, to me, there's, there's really no doubt that that had a huge impact on, on me and, and my perception of travel and perception of the world, you know, and, and over the years, especially not just, you know, that, you know, that kind of campfire experience, but, you know, continuously interacting with these people and, and growing up with them and spending more time on the river and spending time off of the river and, and getting advice from them. And, um, you know, just seeing, seeing many of their, their examples of, of how they chose to lead kind of alternative lifestyles as well. Um, and especially now when I, when I see those, those folks who, who had an impact on me when I was younger, um, I now feel such great appreciation for, for those days. And, you know, they, I don't think they had any idea. I certainly didn't have any idea at that point. Um, but now, you know, now that I've spent the better part of my life going on river trips and, and searching out rivers around the world, um, you know, we can sit down and, and have a, have a glass of wine and talk about how, how impactful those, those early river days must've been for me. For sure. Yeah. I, I think I've said this on a previous podcast, but you know, every, every paddler remembers the person who got them into kayaking and is just eternally grateful for that person kind of introducing this amazing thing uh, to their life. And it makes a you know, huge difference to play that role as the introducer that sometimes that person doesn't even fully realize, just like you were saying about how they probably didn't even realize that. But um, when, when you 
had that introduction, it sounds like um, was very kind of uh, you know rafting focused and a lot of you know, camping, river trips. What got you into a hard boat for the first time, and um, what got you into whitewater kayaking? Well, my parents definitely thought it was pretty cute to put me in my dad's kayak and and float me around in the eddy uh, on those on those early summer river trips when. I was a toddler or younger, so it's nothing cuter than baby pictures of a kayak for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So one, yeah, one of my favorite old pictures of myself is, you know, me just sitting sitting naked in in my dad's blue blue perception dancer, um, you know, floating around in an eddy, just holding it, nice. trying trying to hold a paddle, not even able to hold a paddle up. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, you know, and you know. 10, 12 years later, after that picture was taken, um, I did start kayaking with my dad. So it, you know, just kind of naturally progressed from there. I showed interest in it. I think from, you know, just from being on the river so much and from probably putting myself in his kayaks too. (laughs) Um, so we started paddling together a little bit. He didn't feel very comfortable as an instructor, um, you know, to be teaching me how to be safe and 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 be the best I could possibly be on the river. So there was a there was a small summer camp for kids specifically for uh, to get into kayaking on the Rogue River. Um, really close to where we lived. Um, so they sent me to this summer camp and I loved it, but it also, uh, it actually also really scared me. Um, I didn't, you know, before that point, kayaking had been very casual and fun. It had always been with my parents. I always felt super safe. You know, I was always only with them or just with my dad. And, you know, then suddenly I was with these instructors I didn't know. I was with a bunch of other kids who were at different stages of learning. And, you know, for me, that was that was really hard. It was a big breakaway. And um, I didn't really take to it immediately. Like, I didn't really like being underwater very much. I, you know, I didn't like trying to roll I really didn't like eddy lines. Those were <laughs> those were especially terrifying. Um, you know, so I I had a hard time after that um, because I knew what kayaking was really like. I knew that it was more of a a, a sport that needs practice, and it wasn't just floating around in an eddy. And I wasn't sure that I liked that. Um, so I actually, after that, I ended up taking, you know, not really by like my big thought out choice. Um, but I just kayaked or was in a kayak quite a bit less over the, over the next few years until I was, I think 15. And then I started getting back into it. And, um, the, then I was introduced to the person who really, made the biggest change in my kayaking. Uh, this guy, Greg Guevara, who, 
Um, he actually runs a, an outdoor school now, um, but took me out on the river for a few days. And after that, you know, I, we just, we rolled a bunch and paddled a bunch and uh, it was just the two of us. I felt super comfortable again. And from there, um, my, you know, I had loved being in the river more than, more than anything. And, you know, he's definitely another one of those people that I can't thank enough for really got gu- like guiding me through that, that experience of, of initial fear of the water and initial fear of, of new hard experiences and, you know, breaking it down and making, making the little pieces a lot more comfortable and approachable. What do you think got you back into it? Because it seems like after that camp, uh, kind of the first time being on maybe bigger rivers with instructors you didn't know, kids you didn't know, can definitely be a bit scary and intimidating. Uh, what got you back into the sport and what was different with Greg that kind of wasn't there before? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what got me back into it. Like, I think that it was just summers on the river and spending a lot of time still at the river. And I think just with time, you know, that, that little bit of fear of, of being underwater and being in the river subsided. And, and I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to take those next steps. And then, uh, you know, Greg, Greg was there introduced by, by one of those family friends, um, to, you know, to help me take those small steps and, and approach things, not as, you know, not just approach the river as the river, you know, not as this big picture, really strong, imposing, um, intimidating thing, but to break it down, like, um, you know, to break down these individual pieces and, and look at things with more detail, you know, look at an eddy line, look at a rock, look at where this current is slow and where it's fast and where it's going one direction and, and really take making things a lot more objective, you know, taking a lot of the mystery out of everything, out of everything that you could see. And for sure, for, for me as, as a, as a kid, who kind of liked order and, you know, liked things to be um, more understandable. That was huge, you know, to be able to look at something and know what I was looking at and not just like paddle towards it and hope that it was going to work out. Definitely. Yeah. It's all perspective and it's amazing how much that, really makes a difference when you look at something and it seems like this super scary, uh, you know, monster of an unsolvable problem of this massive rapid when you just break it down into little pieces and little parts, um, uh, and take it at kind of bite-sized chunks. Uh, the big, scary, unsolvable problem starts to become realistic and actually, actually doable. Um, so it sounds like he definitely helped to kind of show that. Uh, so once you started kind of working with him and, and training, how did that change your, your, ability to just have fun on a river and your mindset towards the sport and kind of what you know, fast forward a couple of years from there, what was, um, kind of what was your thought process in terms of what you wanted to do and, uh, how that affected kind of, um, you know, the rest of, yeah. of, uh, of life and kind of what you and it went into next. Yeah, totally. So from there, you know, it was, um, 
it was still summer's kayaking, but I got a driver's, you know, I got my great ticket of, of adulthood and got my driver's license and, um, uh, and I could start going kayaking on, on my own terms and made some friends who are kayakers and, you know, at the same level as me. So we really developed together and I, I started realizing that I did really like it. I loved the learning curve. Um, and, you know, I had in, in school in the public school system, I had, um, been, you know, really interested in sports and, and being on teams and, um, you know, I played soccer and tried basketball and tried tennis and tried, um, I didn't try football, (laughs) but, um, tried track and field, you know, tried all, all this stuff that's, that's available to us in our, in our sometimes great public school systems. And I did okay. And I, and I, and I liked it, but then when I got on the river, um, I just completely forgot about the need to do any other kind of, any other kind of sport. You know, I think there when I, when I looked back at, at playing soccer, which I ended up doing for, you know, the better part of my young life also, I was just like, wow, I've just been, I'm running around on a field. I'm constrained by lines. You know, we're all trying to do the same thing. And, you know, working with a team is awesome. But then when you work with a team and you're not just running around on a flat field, you're not, there are no lines, there's no referee, you know, there's nobody telling you what you can and can't do. And you have to regulate yourself. And the only referee is, is the river. The referee is, is the environment that you're working with. And that just totally blew my mind. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to make of it. And um, I think that, you know, that was the point that I really fell in love with it and being outside and, and, you know, not just being on the river, but being in the outdoors and, um, you know, challenging myself. And the, I think honestly, the biggest thing that I probably loved the most about kayaking was that I was getting really good, really fast. And it's hard not to love something when, when you're improving noticeably every time you go out and, you know, every year and, um, you know, so over the years from, from high school and, and into university was just constant and significant improvement. And that was, you know, that's just so addicting you know, I think to anybody who gets involved in, in any kind of sport, you know, especially any kind of outdoor sport, it's so addicting. But any, when you when you improve at anything quickly and it feels really good, it's super satisfying, you know, that is, uh, that's a feeling that's really hard to beat. Um, so from, you know, from those high school days to university days, uh, and then eventually that led me to, you know, I think the biggest step and the biggest risk 
that I took, um, you know, looking, looking back, um, which was leaving university, uh, you know, feeling really constrained and not like I was um, doing anything very useful, um, not using, not using money for something that I really wanted to be doing. And I decided to take a, a quarter off from university after my second year and go on a kayaking trip to Chile by myself. And I, um, you know, I went and it again was just like a completely mind blowing and legitimizing experience. Like I was just experiencing so many new things and it was, you know, I was in a new place. I was learning Spanish. I was learning about all these different rivers, um, you know, to bought a, bought a car and had all these amazing things add up and, you know, did my first major first ascent or my first real first ascent of a river. And, you know, that, that kind of thing, um, yeah, I don't know. There, there was no way for me to to give it up after that point, and that, and it wasn't even, um, you know, it wasn't even really on my mind to, right. to try to do to, to try to do anything else. Yeah, at that point. it's it's amazing how things like that that you know aren't necessarily something that are super planned, but you sort of take the leap and and follow something that's pulling you there can have such profound impact but sometimes it's it's hard to do that and i'm sure you probably had this experience when you were in university um having to make the decision to do that did you get a lot of pushback from you know, friends or professors or doesn't sound like your uh parents would be too unsupportive of that since they they really love that but w- was that a tough decision for you and what was the sort of the advice you were you were getting yeah, it was definitely, it was a really hard decision for me. Um, you know, and I think, I think I was giving myself more pushback than, than anybody around me. Um, certainly, you know, my friends in, in university thought it was a bad idea. My kayaking friends thought it was a great idea. My parents, they, you know, my parents, while they didn't think it was a good idea, um, they were also supportive of it, um, just aware of, you know, how unsatisfied I was in, in the university system. And that, you know, that's what really made it so I felt like I could take that step and, and buy that plane ticket and go on that trip. Um, you know, the, the doubts that were in, in my head were, you know, largely based on, you know, growing up in, in a culture that really pushes for having a career and pushes for, um, um, you know, following kind of a set, a more set path. And, you know, I really wasn't sure if I wanted to jump 
off of that path. So, you know, and, and also I felt great um, obligation to my parents and to my family to, to finish, you know, this, uh, this education that I had started and, and to follow through on, on what I had started with that. Um, but do you think that was an obligation to others and not necessarily to yourself? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. That, you know, and that's, that's weight that I was putting on myself. Um, you know, that feeling, that feeling of obligation to those cultural ideals and to my parents, which I think is valid and very important, but also, um, because I felt that when they kind of offered their support, um, at least gave the okay for that trip, um, that, you know, that kind of let, let that weight off and, and off I went. Um, and yeah, I think that the, how do, how do I say it? There's, um, okay. So I, I think that I got, I got my parents support because my, my trip was meant to be taking one quarter off of school to, um, you know, to see if that's what I wanted to do, to, to see if I was happy and, you know, continuing in biology and, uh, you know, towards nursing or whatever I wanted to do or photojournalism or something. Um, and of course that one, that one quarter and that incredible trip, uh, turned into, uh, what's going on now, uh, 13 years of, of trying to follow that, that path that, uh, that I kind of laid down on my, on my first kayaking trip in, in Chile. That's, that's such an awesome start to that 13 year journey. And I know that taking that leap into something like that can be incredibly terrifying with just a ton of doubts like you were talking about. But when was the first moment on that trip when you realized I'm glad I did this. I needed to do this. This is helping me really, you know, understand something about myself. Was that pretty immediate? And and just how do you feel when you first started really finding this path that you were connecting with? Yeah, you know, at at the beginning of that trip, I had probably even more doubts than than before I left. Um, just because I was in such a new place, I could hardly communicate. Um, you know, everything is different, you know, it's just a really overwhelming experience to, to drop into a new country, totally different place, totally different people by yourself as a 20 year old. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously huge, hugely formative, but I, it definitely took me a while. It, it wasn't immediate. Um, and I think because I am the kind of person that that likes to have some order and I like to have a plan and I like to know what's going on and I what I'm even more that now than I was then but I I certainly had the beginnings of that developing um, I was super overwhelmed I wasn't sure I had made it made the right decision uh, even though I was I was paddling a ton and 
that was amazing. You know, that's what I was there for. It was always new. It was um, immensely satisfying. But the you know the the rest of the 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 trip um, really you know left me with a lot of questions. And then the the moment that I was really sure and that I was um, that I was aware of of how how important the trip was. Um, was, as I mentioned, doing that first, first ascent. And now, you know, I, I look back at it and, and I see like, yeah, obviously, but I think even then, you know, I've, I've read through some of the journals that I kept then and, and I didn't say it explicitly, but I was definitely, you know, tickling the idea of of how important doing that first first ascent was and i think a large part of that was because of the people that i was with and because of the amount of work that went into it and it wasn't just a you know it wasn't just a gimme it wasn't wasn't a waterfall next to the road Um, it required multiple trips and a bunch of you know, a bunch of days scouting and hiking and looking around and, you know, and rope work and one attempt and, and failing on one attempt, you know, having to climb in this really sketchy spot out of a vertical walled canyon above a waterfall and, you know, coming back weeks later to try it again and completing it and, um, and getting to the end and just you know being elated but also knowing that i wanted to do it again and and that that wasn't the end you know i think that <clears throat> that was a really that was a really vital moment in my life of you know getting getting out of that canyon successfully um after some really amazing kayaking and then not just being happy to be done, but wanting more of it. For sure. Yeah. So it sounds like that was really pretty formidable as the kind of the first sort of expedition style experience that really excited you to, to keep going back for more of, of that style of paddling. Um, so what was that next that next uh, idea that kind of popped in your head of, of where you wanted, where you thought that would take you from there. And, and when you were coming up to that time limit of when you're maybe supposed to go back for the next quarter at university, um, what do you do and, and what, uh, how do you navigate that process? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I actually, <clears throat> I stayed longer in that, on that trip than I initially meant to, and I missed my registration dates for the next quarter. Um, and then, you know, I did go back, I registered for classes and then I canceled and I went on another kayaking trip and I came back from that one and I registered for classes again and I ended up going on another kayaking trip. And for the, you know, for the year and a half or, or a couple years after that trip, it continued to be that kind of cycle and um, where there was still 
a lot of unknown in my mind, a lot of doubt. I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do all the time, but I was pretty sure and I was putting a lot of energy into it. And um, only, you know, my, my schedule was work during the summer and then go on, go on kayaking trips. Um, and then, and, you know, it was just this um, continuous string of, of opportunities that, that I couldn't say no to. And, um, you know, the, the biggest one that, that came up that really guided the, the, you know, the following few years of my life was the opportunity to film this television show for a Brazilian TV network. And again, I really wasn't sure that I wanted to be involved in that. I kind of just wanted to go kayaking and didn't know if, if that was going to be the right thing. And, you know, I said I would try it for one season and, you know, then sure enough, it was, it was another amazing and satisfying kayaking trip basically and filming, filming trip. And it really did, you know, and then that, that continued for five more years, um, of facilitating, you know, the most kayaking I've done, you know, in for five, five continuous years of basically continuous travel and, and kayaking, um, you know, with, without that kind of, without that kind of show or that kind of experience and that kind of opportunity, I certainly don't think that I would have been able to to support myself as a as a kayaker <laughs> yeah which which can be tough sometimes for sure but it's it's amazing how those kinds of opportunities I mean, a lot of people think it's you, know, you just kind of get lucky to to get that but i think it's more than that it's putting yourself in the right place at the right time and then taking advantage of the opportunity that comes up because everyone gets opportunities it's just whether people are you know flexible enough to take them and in the right timing and mindset to, to jump on that. So how did that opportunity come up for you? And, and how did, um, how do you make it work to, to take the, make the most of that? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that, uh, well, that opportunity came up through mutual friends and, and one from Brazil who, um, who really wanted a TV show for himself and needed some, needed some support. So, you know, my friend Ben really made the made the connection for that, and then we carried on as a team of three for for the next few years, um, doing a lot of travel and, and kayaking. And you know, I think it does it. You know, thinking of that being a being a lucky experience, I or a lucky, you know. Um, opportunity out of happenstance is probably something that I've, I've thought of that as well as, you know, as with many of the opportunities that I've had, but you know, what I often have a hard time thinking of and putting that in context is all the work that went into um, getting you to the point where you would even have that opportunity, you know, and I think that is 
something that I always have to remind myself now that opportunities aren't for things that I want to do aren't just going to pop up like I have to work and I have to put myself in the right place and give myself the right experience to um to even be available for those opportunities and to be a candidate for for those kind of opportunities when they do come up for sure yeah i think a ton of people see the uh you know, the, the highlight real moments and the, you know, the opportunity themselves. And it's, it's hard to see the you know, years of work that can go into getting the chance to have that opportunity in the first place. And it's not necessarily, at least the theme I've seen throughout most of the interviews that we've done is that it's definitely not a very linear path that someone ever could have predicted on the front end, but it's more of a, of a factor of just following your passions and putting yourself kind of in the right place at the right time that aligns with those passions. But with with that show, how how did that kind of set you up in terms of just like we were talking about of of creating some of those future opportunities and helping you to further solidify what you wanted to do both in your life and and with kayaking? Yeah, that you know that show and all of those experiences really set the foundation probably for you know the the following five years of. Um, of my life up until now. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think that we traveled and paddled and filmed in 20 something countries, um, over, you know, over those four or five years of filming with seven to eight months of, of travel and, and paddling per year. Um, you know, so it's just this outstanding amount of, of kayaking. And I don't like, I don't know how much I was paddling, but again, you know, that, that progression on the river just continued. And like, I still felt like I was getting better and, and, um, that, you know, and, and gaining all this other experience around, around the river and being comfortable traveling and, and setting up the logistics for, for trips and, and really being safe on the river. Um, and I think that, you know, created a really strong partnership one with, you know, the, my, my main partner and on the river, Ben Stokesbury. And it also, you know, made a really strong foundation for any other opportunities that we're going to, that we're going to come up with, um, with river trips and, and with productions and, and things that actually, you know, can make a little bit of money and support all of those kayaking trips, because certainly there's no, there's no kayaking trip and there's no film and there's no expedition without some money that, that comes behind it. Um, you know, so the, the biggest opportunity that came off of that foundation, I think is a, um, a huge thing for me that has facilitated, you know, the last 10 years of my life, which was a relationship with a, with a major sponsor that came from, again, taking a, taking a small chance and doing something I wasn't sure I wanted to do, which was, um, just basically going to a, a film premiere, uh, of a film that I was in and I didn't really see very much use in it. 
and I wasn't really that interested in, in going to to present the the film and and the story and um because to me you know it was just like it was an awesome kayaking film but in the end I was like well it's just kayaking and you know there's <laughs> I and it's you know surrounded by all these other amazing stories and I'm just kind of intimidated to go do that. So, um, my, my dad really pushed me to go, um, on this trip to, to go on tour with this film. And at one of those, at one of those stops, um, I met the, you know, one of the marketing directors of, of a big, um, of a big clothing brand in the U S that I now have been associated with for the last 10 years, uh, basically starting, starting on that night, you know, when I was in a place that I wasn't sure I wanted to be. <laughs> and then, you know, presenting a film and then, uh, you know, another huge door opened from what seemed like, a pretty inconsequential opportunity for sure it's it's pretty amazing how a lot of times some of the biggest opportunities can come from places you don't want to even be in the first place and things that you might not think are uh all that worthwhile or um you know exciting just like like that it's uh it's pretty cool to hear how that came out of that in that way but yeah just putting yourself in the right place at the right time can really lead to some pretty amazing outcomes yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, um, you know, being in the right place at the right time is, is often a lucky thing as, as you say, and as that kind of was, but, you know, there's also, I think like we were just saying the, the value of, of that huge foundation of, of work that's gone into, you know, laying down the path that you can, that you can walk to, um, to be in that place at that time in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. There, I mean, there's yeah. definitely probably a little bit of luck involved, but, but that luck can't exist without the years of, of the foundation laying for sure that that can create those kinds of opportunities. And I know we'd have to have uh, a lot more time than we can on this podcast to talk about all the stories of all those expeditions that you're able to do from that. But um, I think there is, and definitely let me know if there are other ones that are more excited to talk about. But the, the story with the FARC rebels in Colombia, that, that was pretty uh, interesting. Um, what, how did that expedition come about? And what was the, the story there for, for anyone who hasn't heard of that? Yeah, that sure is an interesting story. Um, that, for, that, for me, really started with a phone call to, to my friend Jules there, um, who I hadn't actually done a, a real major trip with previously. Um, and uh, a brief chat with, with Ben, who I had done a lot with previously. And they were looking at this river in the Southern Amazon basin of, of Colombia. Um, on the Apaporis River, and it seemed like a really good time to go because 
of the peace deal that had just been struck between the the FARC forces and the Colombian government. And um, you know, I I had never been to Colombia. This was this was one one trip where I was really basing my uh, my involvement on other people's experience and um, it just sounded like a real fairy tale to me though it sounded just absolutely amazing uh, this going on this river that hadn't seen a, a western face in over 50 years supposedly uh, because of this conflict the access had been totally closed off uh, because of the the FARC rebels, um, and you know, not it's a lot more complicated than just like FARC versus the Colombian government. But I guess to sim- to simplify all the stuff that's going on, we can <laughs> we can say that. Um, but yeah, so this you know this place had been totally closed off since you know the days of rubber exploration and and exploitation of the 40s and and early 50s and um of what i had seen of of any part of the amazon in in brazil and bolivia and peru and ecuador and venezuela i was totally in like there was i just wanted more of that Amazon experience, you know, being, being in a place so rich with life and, um, you know, so rich with, you know, biological diversity, but also rich with, uh, human history and, and a pretty wild human dynamic, um, was all at, at that point, very exciting to me. So, um, I, I was all into that adventure from, from the beginning and there, you know, I, I was on a kayaking trip in, in New Zealand, um, up until about two weeks before that trip. So my level of involvement in, in all of the planning and reconnaissance and logistics was, was pretty limited. And when I showed up in, in Colombia, it was kind of just, um, it, you know, it was totally game on and very interesting to say the least with, with our group dynamics. Um, we had some, some people with, um, you know, they're, they're a group of five and five different goals on the river and, and for the trip, um, and I think that really sets a pretty tough base f- for the whole trip to be successful. For sure. Uh, so, what were some of those different goals and kind of how, how did that misalignment of, of uh, interesting goals happen? Yeah. So, you know, for, for me, it was, you know, my, my goal on the trip was to, just have, have an amazing experience out in the jungle, interact with, um, interact with people along the river and learn more about the history and, and the ways of life out on, you know, out in this, out in this region and, and, you know, 
be a witness to you know some of the amazing or the amazing biodiversity along the river and and in a pretty largely unexplored uh, and undocumented part of the Amazon. And I've shared, I shared that a lot with Jules, even though he was definitely more, more interested in, in some more, um, some more of the small details of, of that kind of experience with, you know, with the biology in the area, the plants and, and interacting with people. Um, you know, one of the members wanted to just get super fit and strong and recover from an injury. One wanted to, to make a film. One wanted to escape, uh, some dramatic things that were happening in the rest of their life and, and have, and have it, um, inspire great change in their life. (laughs) Um, you know, so we were all kind of, we were just kind of all over the place and, and expectations for everybody, I think really started kind of leading us in in different directions and, and started us butting heads right away. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a tough place to start. Um, one of the members also was female and super sick at the beginning of the trip. So, you know, we don't need to get into the, all of all of the details of, of why that was an issue. But, you know, going on a trip starting um, at already at a low point of health onto a 40 day river trip in the Amazon with with no, uh, you know, no chance of medical help anywhere along the way uh, seems like a pretty irresponsible thing to do um, yeah not the and, best idea for sure yeah 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 exactly and um and not a real good team building decision you know to right. really to push to push against the, a, a general consensus um for you know more um for uh, reasonable approach. Um, so, you know, ended up kind of starting on the river with, uh, this divisive issue and a split group, um, and 20, you know, 20 days down the river paddling somewhat separately, um, myself and, and on your, came paddling around a corner uh, and we, you know, we had, we had been running into some people um, the, for a few days and had heard that there was a FARC, uh, a group of FARC insurgents who were still holding out against this, the peace deal um, somewhere downstream, but that they, you know, they had been letting boats pass and, and we probably wouldn't even see them. Sometimes they were, they were gone for weeks at a time. So it was really just very, um, unpredictable and we would just kind of have to see. So we, a couple of days down, we thought we had passed where they were. Um, Anyol and I came around a corner, saw a big wooden cutout motorboat along the river, 
uh, along the bank over in the shade of some big trees and um, kind of just passed by, didn't thinking, didn't think too much of it. And, you know, 30 seconds later, the, the boat was coming out towards us um, and a full Hollywood scene, very, very dramatic with, you know, these four armed rebels uh, in their, in this boat, um, you know, standing up with their assault rifles slung over their chests and, you know, held in their hands and, and faces covered and, um, you know, ammunition belts slung over their shoulders and big knives and, and other arms and ammunition. And it was very, uh, is very dramatic. And I don't know if they, if, you know, if Hollywood really takes cues from, from them or if they were taking cues from, from Hollywood. I, think it, <laughs> I guess it's hard to know, but it seems like it aligns pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So they, um, how did you feel when you saw that? I mean, that would, that would be terrifying to me. Like what was your first thought? Yeah, it was, it was really terrifying. Actually, it was definitely not something that we wanted to deal with at all. Um, we knew there, we, we knew there was the chance going into this river trip that, that we would have this kind of interaction. Um, and obviously we were overly optimistic that, that it was going to be the right time to not have this interaction. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely really terrifying. Um, you know, just, just being that remote in the first place and, um, thinking of any little thing going wrong just with health or, you know, losing a boat or breaking something, uh, is, is pretty formidable, but then, you know, dealing with arm, a group of armed rebels who are known for their tactics of kidnapping and holding people for ransom and, and, uh, murder was, yeah, that was definitely a very shocking moment. Um, and both of us were, were visibly and very noticeably scared when, when they pulled us up into their, into their boat and brought us over to shore. Um, and what were and they from, saying? Was there a communication barrier there or did anyone speak the well, same language? Yeah. So on, on your Spanish, so he, you know, the, and my, okay. and my Spanish is, is passable and, um, was, was possibly better than it's ever been uh, at That's that good. moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. When you really need it, you can rely yeah, on when it. I, when I really <laughs> needed it. And, and fortunately, you know, Anyol really took the lead. And once we got over to shore, the situation seemed like it was de-escalating almost immediately. Um, they were asking a lot of questions. They wanted to know just what we were doing, why we were there, why they didn't know about us coming downstream. Um, and, you know, they, they were really concerned about us being from some kind of industry, uh, mostly some kind of extractive industry, like mining or timber, 
um, or if we were if we had any military uh, involvement. So, so they thought really, you were some kind of spy for a company or a government or uh, anything, but just a bunch of kayakers, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you know the the concept of recreation is not a very common idea. You know, the the idea that you would just go down this river to to take some pictures and and you know have have that experience in quotations. Uh, they probably thought like that's the worst story. Like we don't believe that. That's that's crazy. Why would you do that? Yeah, yes, exactly. And that is why they felt like they needed to do a little more research on us and um, and keep us there for a few days as they found out what our real goals were, what our real motivations were, where we were all really from, etc. So, you know, they, they were making calls to their, like, their base camp and... You know, they were looking online, you know, they were taking down all of our, our names and looking online to see if we were telling a, a real story, you know. Well, that's probably if, good, right? Because they could see all the stuff you've done and that, that would probably help prove your case, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, and it absolutely did. Um, otherwise, you're right. I don't think they would have taken our, our pretty weak story of, of recreating out in the Amazon. Uh, Right. So once, once they found that out um, and they were comfortable with that, they did, you know, they, they kept their word of um, releasing us on the fourth day. And, you know, that, that fourth morning um, I was actually really surprised to, you know, find it kind of hard to say goodbye. Um, You know, once, once we, you know, had our initial interaction and they figured out that we weren't an immediate threat and that we probably were just, you know, some weird white dudes going down the river for fun, uh, which really didn't make sense to them, but was something (laughs) that they were, they were open to. Um, It was, a very, you know, I, I comfortable is not the right word, but um, we immediately felt much less at risk. Um, you know, gun guns were on the ground, uh, masks were off, you know, vests were off. Uh, were they pretty he, nice at that point? They, and and they were they were super nice. They were almost more curious about us then they were really trying to like get dirt on us and interesting you know they, it was not an interrogation it was more like a curious conversation about where we were from and and kayaking and you know why we would want to do something like that and one of my favorite moments that i like to talk about from that initial interaction was that they have they bring a they have a computer with them so their tech guy was looking through my SD cards and um, you know to see if we had taken pictures of of possible uh, mining sites or possible airstrip or you know whatever it is that they were concerned about 
and he opened one of my SD cards that I didn't have in my camera that I had in my case, and it had this footage from New Zealand on it, and it had it was um, you know these seabirds sea on a cliff over the ocean in New Zealand, and uh, my girlfriend's voice in the background saying something about the birds or the weather. And it was pretty surreal to me to hear my girlfriend's voice out there in the first place. But then to these guys, you know, to this guy who was looking at the ocean and these really strange birds and, um, you know, to see, to see other white folks out of the ocean, um, was, I think probably even more strange for him. <laughs> um, but he, he called me over and was just very curious about what the heck was going on in that picture and where it was. And, you know, I, they'd never seen the ocean or he had never seen the ocean before and wow. didn't know about, didn't know about New Zealand and, you know, was just pretty in awe of, you know, some other parts of the world. That's super interesting. I mean, he did have a connection to the internet though, right? Not, not there. They didn't have a connection to the internet. Okay. But yeah, their, their base had a connection to the internet. So he and just hadn't seen anything like that? No, I, you know, it was surprising to me too, you know, wow. but, uh, li- living out in the, out in the forest and away from any, you know, any kind of connection to the outside world that we are used to and we think of as so normal, um, you know, really leaves people without that kind of base knowledge. Yeah. That's interesting. So it sounds like through the experience of when uh, when you were with them that they were almost probably pretty grateful to have met you just from the interesting factor of just learning what you're doing and a little bit more about kayaking and different parts of the world as well. When What was it like saying goodbye when you said it was a little bit hard to say goodbye? Were they, um, like, what was there a little bit of a, like a friendship there. Did they invite you back next time to come say hey? <laughs> well, for, fortunately, they didn't. They didn't tell us to come back again, or maybe unfortunately, I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a little a little difficult to say goodbye because you know spending a few days with them and feeling quite comfortable, you know, going going hunting, like walking around with you know, with machetes in our hands and, you know, that we, we did develop a pretty good level of trust and, um, you know, we were very well taken care of. They would bring coffee and, you know, coffee to me in my hammock and you know, have breakfast ready before any of us would get up in the morning. And, you know, we'd sit around and talk about Spanish, you know, talk about English and kind of, you know, give these, give these little lessons. And, um, and of course in that we, we talked about them and, 
and FARC and their and their cause and and why they were holding out um, holding out in this fight that we thought had kind of ended and you know it's for such human reasons that you know I think many rebellions are based on um, you know it really just comes down to the fact that they want to take care of of their people and they want to they want to keep big companies and big industry and big powerful government away from the health and well-being of of rural communities and it was really easy to to empathize with that um you know because i think that's what all of us really want you know absolutely obviously their their means are uh probably are definitely on the extreme end of things when you know when most of us think about what we, what we could do um to improve improve the the livelihoods of of our people um but yeah it was really it was, it was easy to to feel like we kind of wanted to be on their side um in in some of those moments uh yeah so when we were leaving you know, it was just a very intense after these very intense few days of feeling like you've really gotten to know somebody and, and what they're willing to die for. Um, cause that's why these people were still fighting. They were, they were ready to fight to their death. Um, so when you get to know somebody that in that intimate way, that quickly, um, you know, it, it was it was easy to feel close to them and and feel like you know you that you would want to be a part of their cause if if you were there too. Uh, For sure, yeah. yeah, it's that's super interesting. It's really easy to to vilify a group um, that you really just don't know a ton about, and it's fascinating to hear sort of the inside story of kind of what they're actually doing and how to um, just get to get to know both sides of a story like that. That's super interesting. So when they released you, were you able to finish the the expedition? No. So when, when they released us, they, you know, they, they told us they would have one surprise for us in the morning when they were going to let us go. And that was that they were going to keep all of our electronics. So, <laughs> so they, they just wanted to check out that ocean picture a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> And all the pictures from the rest, you know, from the beginning of the trip and, and, and anything with a, with some kind of location service on it. So they, you know, they knew that I had a camera, that I had a drone, that I had a GPS, you know, they knew about all of our electronic stuff. So we were, you know, um, you know, basically out all of our electronics and our safety net of communication with the outside world, you know. So I always travel with an inReach, you know, a little oh, satellite. So they, they took your Garmin communicator. Yeah. Yep. So they they kept that stuff, and um, that was really kind of the this 
the straw that that broke the the camel's back for for me at least in the decision making to continue downstream because if we were yeah. going to have any any kind of further interaction like that and not be able to communicate you know it was just you know it was kind of it was kind of too much you know f- directly following that that experience yeah <laughs> so sure. so we so they were uh, they were in this location where we ran into them because of its proximity to a small airstrip. So we were actually able to paddle just a couple hours um, and go up this tributary and um, and call in a, a, a couple small charter planes to, to fly out. Okay. Yeah. So it, How did, it was, it was kind of the best, the best case scenario for the worst case scenario. And really it was sure. almost the, you know, it's definitely not the best thing that could have happened to us on that trip, but because the group dynamics were already so, uh, we're, we're just struggling so much. They were already just in tatters. Uh, something like that was kind of, the only thing extreme enough to in some very minor ways uh, force us to to be together and to yeah. and to op- <laughs> operate together well it, it seems like that's definitely a a good outcome uh, you know given the situation and it does seem like you got a few pictures out of it as well how, how did you smuggle out the the couple of pictures that you got. Yeah, I did. You know, we all ended up being able to take some of our SD cards with us. Okay. So, so they didn't yeah, find all they, the SD cards, I guess. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't find all the SD cards. So there were, you know, a big, there, there was a good batch of cards in, in the cameras and in the bags and everything. But um, yeah, I was able, we did lose some pictures, but, yeah, I was able to to stash some away and, That's and good. get out of there with, you know, at least re- recover a little bit of value of the of the all the stuff that was left behind. For sure. I mean, SD cards are especially micro SD cards. You can you can definitely sneak those pretty easily. Super small. So that's yeah. great. You got some out of it. Yeah. But um, exactly. Well, we could definitely talk all day about. Uh, kayaking expedition stories and you've got some pretty fascinating ones but but to kind of wrap up uh all the the things you've told us today if if you could go back and tell that younger version of yourself maybe when you were first starting lessons again with with greg and and give yourself one bit of advice on just how kayaking would impact your life and and just maybe one thing you wish you would have known uh in the early days that you do know now what what do you think that piece of advice would be Wow. Yeah. I did. There probably, there's so many things that would have been good for me to know, <laughs> I think, but you know, I, I think that the biggest thing probably would have been not being scared to fail, like being open to, to failure and to let, you know, letting myself do, do things that I was pretty sure I wasn't going to succeed at. And you know, to this day, that is still one of the biggest challenges uh, 
for, for me. And, you know, at, at that point, <clears throat> you know, if I could have, if I could have just taken a few more chances, you know, I think, I think I definitely would have, um, come out the other side a little bit better for it. I think one other thing would be interesting to get your thoughts on is that I think there is a pretty strong parallel between whitewater kayaking and just life in general in the sense that it's really easy to get shaken up by a bad line, a swim on a rapid and get back in your boat. You're fine. Um, you're lucky that you didn't get more injured uh, than, than you could have been. But that courage is just sapped out of you and just completely different mindset uh on the rest of the river than maybe how you started how do you how do you push past that and how do you just get that courage and excitement back you know no matter what happens and keep a cool head you know both on the river and when a similar type of thing might happen uh kind of as you know an analogy for life or a project you're working on that uh might not go as planned yeah that you know that's the question that that haunts everybody, I guess, trying for to, sure, you know, trying to improve in, in some kind of sport or challenge or job or project, you know, any, any of the things that we approach in life that are major challenges, you know, they're just for me, at least like full of failing and yeah, I, I guess that, uh, you know, that, that Columbia trip is actually a really good example because I don't think that was a successful kayaking expedition, but I learned so much more on that trip than I ever would have if we would have cruised through clean on the river and not had any, you know, not had any of those group dynamic issues and if we wouldn't have run into the FARC and had that whole fiasco, um, you know, the like failing in the river expedition, like the proverbial summit, you know, this, this summit is important, but, you know, for sure, obviously the, the way that you get there is, is really important too. And, and when you don't get there, like we didn't on that trip, um, I just had to change my perspective and, and look at that, not like a failure, but like this still deep and meaningful, incredible experience that I walked away with so much more from than just a basic river trip. Um, and that's actually, you know, that has pushed me on to the next stage of what I look for in, in kayaking trips. <laughs> now, you know, that it aren't just kayaking trips, that there's a lot more involved and, and the people surrounding rivers and the people on rivers are so much more interesting most of the time, often at least, than, than a river trip itself. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think being, being open to to failing and being open to, to those challenges has, uh, has certainly led me on a, on a positive path now. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Inside the Adventure. That was the story of Chris Korbelik, who is really good friends with another whitewater kayaking guest we'll be having on the show shortly. So if you really like these amazing stories of seeking out the biggest and best whitewater all across the world, stay tuned for our next whitewater kayaking guest, Benny Marr. 